people who desire uh, to teach kids about um, your love. I thank you that we get to be a part of this ministry together, that being here gives us a bigger picture of what you're doing. Um, please speak through me today and teach us something that we can take away. God, if it's just one thing um, that will impact a kid, I pray that you will give that to them. And you pray. Amen. All right. Guys, thanks for coming. Um, my name is Allison Corson. I'm on staff in the Great Miami area, and I'm a leader at Hamilton High School. Yeah, Great Miami. Um, I will, this will be my seventh year leading at Hamilton, so it's probably one of the last places I thought I would go, and I'm still there. So, awesome. It's been great. Um, one of my favorite parts about this ministry is watching students become mature disciples, whether it's seeing them accept Christ. Um, seen them pray out loud for the first time, seen them become my best friends from being uh, not just a high school kid, but um, my friends. It's my favorite part. So what we're going to talk about today, the two main focuses are uh, what the title implies. Um, mature disciples who do ministry with us and how to teach students how to pray. Um, and I think that the, um, one of the biggest things of discipleship is doing life on life, which is your first blink. Um, I'll probably say that a lot um, because I feel that that's the most true thing. Um, when we sacrifice for the students that we love and we know and we walk with them daily, uh, they get to see our life and we walk with theirs. That is where true transformation comes from. Discipleship is not just a once a week meeting. And I think that you guys might know that, but I feel that it goes both ways. Um, what we get out of what God wants to teach us and what the students get um, are them coming alongside you and walking with them. Um, and the next part is prayer, is the most powerful and underutilized tool that we have. Um, I think that when we get to see God answer prayers, and when our high school or middle school friends see God answer prayers, or college friends, uh, it changes them. And that's what makes them want to be on mission for the rest of their life. Uh, when they get to do ministry with you, um, and when they see God answer prayers and show up, um, it does something in their heart, and it does something in our heart. And that next blank is a faith magnifier. Being on mission with their leaders and seeing prayers answered are faith magnifiers for students. I kind of made that term up, but I think it's like this, this faith builder thing. When you see God move um, and you see him answer prayers, uh, it changes them. So, all right, I have an example with one of my friends to start out with here um, of an answered prayer. And Oh, one of my friends, her name was Julia. She went to Hamilton, and she was a really strong atheist. And she was pretty open to talking about um, faith, but people were scared of her. They wouldn't ask her questions. But she was like, I want people to ask me what I believe and what I think. So one of my friends was a senior, um, started hanging out with her last year. And, well, she was a junior, so now she's a senior. And just prayed for her and loved her, and they became friends. And they were total opposites, like complete opposites. Um, but she was like, I want Julia to know Christ. Um, and she was like, I'm going to get her to camp. Didn't get her to camp. I'm going to do this. Didn't work. Club, not her thing. It wasn't her thing. Um, but she brought her to True West, which is our friend's coffee shop in Hamilton. And where a bunch of our high school kids and graduated friends work that love the Lord. And it was this community, this Christian community that totally surrounded her, welcomed her, brought her in. And she was just glued to them. She's like, what do they have that I don't have? I want it. Um, and slowly those friends, they were praying. So now 8 to 10 people, my team, 20 people are praying for Julia. Um, it was a couple months of that. She walked in one day. They were all reading their Bibles. She's like, tell me more about this. Um, they said, hey, go talk to our co-leader, Ness. She was an atheist. Um, so they talked for three or four hours. That night, uh, Julia experienced Jesus. She experienced God's presence and the Holy Spirit. And 
It is so real to her. And I think it's awesome because not only was my friend praying for her for a year, all these true S people were praying for her for six months. Now my team was. And so for 20 of us, it was this faith magnifier. When I look at her, I'm like, God can do anything. Um, and it's so real to her. And she's an encouragement to all of us because it's, it's new. It's this new thing. Um, so speaking of that, has anybody heard of the curse of knowledge? Um, it's once we know something, we forget what it's like to not know it. And so for Julia, she, it's new, it's real. Um, she can taste the grace because she knows she just came from death to life. Um, and so for some of us who have been walking with Christ for a long time, like for me, I grew up in church, so I kind of never didn't know. Um, but there is a moment um, where it becomes real to us. And so I want you guys to take a minute, talk to one or two people next to you, and answer two questions. The first is, when was the first time you heard the gospel? Or if you're like me, when did it become real? Did it start to change you? And the second question is, who are some mentors? Who are some people that were a big part of your story? Um, so where your story started and who was a part of it? Take a couple minutes and talk to people next to you. Thank you. 
Soak in that. That's your next blank. Um, if we don't sit in that truth every day, live in it, walk in it, and pray. So live in it and pray. Um, if we're not spending time in the Word and spending time renewing our souls, um, we're not going to see fruit. We're going to miss opportunities. Um, the Lord, we plant the seeds the Lord grows in. Um, we have to remind ourselves of that. Uh, okay, great. Um, also, the next one is prayer has to be the foundation that we set ourselves in and our friends in. Foundation is your word. So keep praying and keep pressing on. I think a lot of times we're like, what do I really have to offer? And I want to tell you, your high school, middle school, college friends who are pretty new in Christ too, they probably think that too. They're like, what do I have to offer? But if they have the Holy Spirit, the one who is greater than the one who's in the world, and you have the gospel, you have enough. Uh, when I first started leading... I didn't have a car. I didn't really know Young Life. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I had the gospel. And so I went. And my co-leaders were like, here, just take this one girl and go. Be your friend. Like, okay. So her name was Morgan. And Morgan never really got it since I knew her. Um, but it was so cool to see God give me this platform. Because she um, was pretty wild. But also would come to campaigners and club. Was very faithful. And would ask questions about Jesus all the time. And I swear she would forget. Because I would just say the same thing the next week. But it was like this. I got to practice sharing the gospel with someone who wanted to hear it, um, and I got to plant the seed and pray that it would take root. Um, and I still pray for Morgan when I think of her. I sometimes see her at TJ Maxx. Um, but <laughs> I got to share the gospel with her, and that was all I had, and that was enough um, because that is the news. We don't have to add anything. Um, we have the truth and the good news. So don't be afraid, and don't be afraid to tell your friends that. Um, they can love people. You can love people. That's what God tells us to do. Uh, so, what's the first part of discipleship, though? Like, I don't even know where to start. Where do I begin? Um, but I would say, are we living a life worth following? Your blank is walk the talk. We have to have intimacy with Christ. We have to be in it um, ourselves. We have to be convinced of the truth of the gospel. Um, because if they're following you, is what you're doing worth following. Is your... Are you living out your faith? Um, also, the next one. Um, well, hold on. Before that, that thought. Uh, we look different. Okay? You know when you go into that school, first of all, it's weird that you're there. Um, but also, people are drawn to you because we look different. You live for a greater purpose. You have something to look forward to that's not just for them what they're looking forward to this weekend or the next week or something else. And that is attractive to them. Also, are we living holy lives? So we go to the school, we become, you know, we go where they're at, we go on their turf, we become incarnate like Jesus did in the flesh. But also, Jesus is the most attractive personality. So don't get that confused with uh, looking like the culture and being in there with the kids. Uh, we still are called to be holy. Are we living holy lives? Um, another thing that I feel that has been really beneficial in my ministry is being transparent and sacrifice. So holding our lives out with transparency and sacrifice. Um, one thing that we can do is be vulnerable with our friends and letting them into our lives, seeing our weaknesses, um, because in that God can be stronger. So I had this friend who really started running after Christ last, this time last year, and so we hung out for a few months. We were doing the life thing, doing Bible studies, hanging out, hanging out with our friends, going... Uh, to games together, praying for her friends. Uh, one day we were going to the grocery store and I was really overwhelmed. I don't know why. We were in the Kroger parking lot and I just broke down crying. I don't remember why. Um, 
and she's sitting there like, oh no, what's happening? <laughs> but she just hugged me and she listened to me and she still refers to that moment. I was like, that's when I knew you were a real person. Um, and you weren't a robot and you're my real friend. And she got to be in that with me and also see God glorified because it wasn't me, it wasn't my strength. I was just like her. And honestly, that is who we are. Um, it's not like we're pretending to be vulnerable like that. That's real. And so when they see that, it's attainable. It's like, oh, this following Christ isn't this perfect thing. It's being real. And that seems simple, but I think it's really um, beneficial to change it, change it for them. Um, and then that same friend, she then was doing a Bible study with some freshmen last week. And I wasn't there. Um, and then... The flip side, she got to be vulnerable with them and share with her her struggles. And now their relationship is different because she's like, I'm a senior and I'm following Christ. Um, but it's, things are still hard, and this is what I'm struggling with. And as freshmen, they got to look up to her and be like, okay, I can do this. Um, this is cool. So that is hard discipleship, letting our friends see us. And multiplication, giving ministry away like that with her. Um, she's way more effective than me. I'll get to that later. But... Um, another thing is being the same around your friends as you are uh, with them. So when I was in college, I would bring my high school friends over to my house. And it was awesome for them to see me relate to my college friends and see that I'm the same. We can't be one person in our house and then go be young life leader. Um, we're Christ followers and we're disciples ourselves and we're sons and daughters. And that doesn't change. Um, so does your life look the same where you live with your friends or your families where it does when you go be a leader? Um, and we can share our flaws and successes because our identity is secure in Christ. Because you know who you are, and that doesn't change. And so you can hold your life out with an open hand and say, this is hard, this is what I'm struggling with, because your identity is firm. And again, point it to the cross, and they get to see that um, when you share those flaws and successes. Okay, your next blank is be prayer warriors yourselves. Think about your own time with the Lord, your own prayer life. Do you have a prayer strategy? Um, as Rich has been saying, how often do you spend on your knees for your friends or on your knees for your own life? Um, what does your walk with Christ look like? Do you want them to imitate it? If we aren't prayer warriors, how can we expect our friends to be? John 15 talks about being connected to the vine. We know this. Where are you drawing your energy, your resources? Um, and your truth from. We have to be connected to the divine. Our strength comes from him. And we know that the maturity that comes in our faith and the maturity of our friends comes from the spirit moving. So we have to pray. Um, and we know that he goes before us and behind us. This is a quote from Tim Keller's book called Prayer. It says, Prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help. All of which can essentially, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. To pray in Jesus' name is essentially to reground our relationship with God and the saving work of Jesus over and over again. It also means to recognize your status as a child of God, regardless of your inner state. You guys probably know this, but we can't take kids farther than we are in Christ. So get deep, get rooted um, in Him. They can tell when it's genuine. They can tell when it's an overflow of your spirit. Uh, when you've been with the Lord and you can't help but talk about it, as it says in Acts, versus forcing it. Um, these are small things, but I think one of the encouraging things is going back and looking at 
prayers God has answered. This isn't on your paper, but write down, pray specific things. Um, because I think that's when we get to see God answer them, and our faith is built too. Um, so one of my friends uh, played soccer, and she was having a hard day wrestling with stuff in her past, and just that this life is hard, and that there's scars, and there's wounds, um, and they hurt. And so, but she was about to go to practice, and so she was, like, really sad and crying. And so, and, soccer, and practice is usually hard because, you know, coach is terrible and trying to love your friends. So I prayed for her before practice this study would be a good practice. Um, and as she left, I kept praying, and my spirit was just kind of burdened, and so I was trying to give her to the Lord. And I asked for her to have peace that didn't make sense because circumstantially there was no reason at that moment, unless she looked at the cross, that she should have peace. Um, and the other one was that she would think about heaven and that it would be restored there, that that's where we are redeemed and things are perfect um, and that, that that's where that's where our hope is. And so she came back after practice because we were making dinner before Bible study and she was so giddy and she was jumping around and I was like, what's up with you? And she's like, I just had a great practice and like, well tell me about it. And she said, like I'm in the car and I just was peaceful and I just had this joy and I was like, wow. And then I got to practice and I started running and I was like, I get to go home to heaven and that's where it's going to be perfect. And I just looked at her and she's like, what? I said, I prayed those specific things as soon as you left my house. And we just stared at each other. And it was this small, but it was like, man, God was like, I care about you and I care about her and I want to give you this. And I know you should trust her with me because I've got this. Um, so, and that was one thing I've definitely been learning a lot this semester was how to give God my burdens and other people's burdens that he um, as Sally said, like he loves them more than we do. And as much as we, our heart breaks for them, um, they're in his hands. So pray specific things because he shows up. Um, and then a couple days later, it was the soccer tournament. So it was the end of the season. If they lost, they, it would be over. I wasn't there. I was at a Michigan game. Go blue. Oh, I know. Wrong room. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she's there. And uh, she, was, she had a really great time with the Lord before she got there. And during the game... She had this energy and had a great game. And she felt like for the first time, she was learning how to glorify God playing soccer. Um, and that's what we had been praying all semester because it's hard. Sometimes we separate those things. Like how do I glorify God when I'm here versus when I'm there and not just based on my performance. So anyways, I'm telling you this story because at the end of that game, um, there was a parent who came up to her and said, you did great. You just had this little spirit within you. And she was like, yeah, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, think of those answered prayers and be encouraged because God answers them. Also, Tim Keller says, To fail to pray, then, is not to merely break some religious rule. It is failure to treat God as God. So how are we talking about prayer with our friends? Are we relying on prayer that much and teaching them to? Um, that's not just a way to get things from God, but it is to get more of God. Okay, let's go back to Acts. We're going to look at Peter's boldness um, as he is sharing the gospel with others. So can someone read for me Acts 2, 20, or sorry, 36 through, wait, it's one. Okay, sorry, go back to up to 25. This is um, a prophecy that David said in Psalm 16, and Peter is referring to it. He says, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also was well in hope. For you, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Does that sound like someone who has the curse of knowledge? 
it sounds like it's real to him and it is living in him. And they get to see that. They get to see that we have the hope of heaven. We have gladness when we're in the presence of God. Um, and that's what overflows to us. Okay, so now I'll go down to 36. Can someone read 36 through 41? Or last one. Thank you. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who be crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized, about, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Great, thank you. So Peter is not backing away. He's not shying away to talk about their sins and what Jesus did. Stay away from this crooked generation. And what happened? It paid off. Those people were cut to the heart. And he said, repent. And they met Christ. So we may not always know where kids are with Jesus. But that should not stop us um, from taking a step toward depth with God. Your next blank is, we can influence the amount of depth kids look to be in with Jesus by how we model it and what we ask them. That's the blank. How we model it and what we ask them. If we pull them into prayer, if we ask them to read the Bible with us, if we ask them what they're reading in the Bible, what they're reading in the Bible, um, question them about what they're learning. It pulls them into a place that they might not go themselves. So don't be afraid to take that risk, um, take that step, as Peter did, and we saw the impact of it. Um, pray for conviction in their hearts. We know the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts, um, and but we can ask questions to get them there. Um, also, with the risks and the boldness, we get to do that all the time. So one of my favorite things about this ministry is that we're always inviting kids. Uh, we're inviting them into friendship. Is that the next link? Yes. Inviting them into friendship. We're inviting them into then a relationship with Christ. And then once they know Christ, we're inviting them into depth with Christ. And then we're inviting them into the community. That's the next blank, is community. What I think is cool, too, is in this next section in Acts, it talks about the fellowship of believers. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. When a community and family surround people, that is so powerful. We know we have teams for a reason. We go in for teams with teams for a reason. Um, my friends, uh, the Cannons have an open home, and they have, I swear their 11-year-old does ministry with some high school. <laughs> they invite people into their home, and they, people get, high school kids and middle school kids get to see a family that loves Christ, and see how parents treat the kids, and the kids, um, it's just a beautiful, that picture, um, I think God creates that for a reason. Um, also with families, I have been impacted with families. That's one of my favorite things about this ministry, is it's not just middle school, high school, college. It impacts parents and families. Like we got to see um, last night and this morning. Uh, I lived with a family, one of my high school friends, uh, for a couple months while I was transitioning jobs before I went on staff. And I uh, lived in that house and prayed for that family and hoped that the way that Emily and I lived would impact them. And we actually had club in their basement. So every time I would go downstairs, um, I would pray over that floor and ask God to bless that. The gospel was being shared down there. And that would affect the family upstairs, that what we were praying um, would happen upstairs too. And it was so cool. I've never prayed for family that much because it kind of was like 
they were struggling to hear the gospel and they didn't know the way they sacrificed and opened their home. Um, and our relationship changed. And them getting to see um, a part of what God's doing and then being there last night as a daughter got placed um, is just another picture of the kingdom. So um, families and communities can change people. Um, also, with taking risks with kids, we need to always be looking for those. And that's how we see them is by praying and asking God, where are you taking me? Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say to them? Um, let's go to Acts 3 here. We're going to read about another risk that Peter took. Acts 3, 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to them. I see this and see how Peter was bold and just saying, stand up and walk. Um, I don't have anything else. This is what I have to offer you. And... Uh, I think that we need to look for those opportunities. Where is God asking you to be bold? Okay, one of my favorite places with a kid is in the car. And I don't know if it's because they think they're going to get out soon or you're not staring at them, so it's kind of like less awkward, you know, we're just looking for. But they, I've had most significant conversations with kids in the car. Um, and especially after club. Think about it. Why would we do club? We bring them into a place where we hope they feel loved and welcomed. And we, they laugh walls come down, they're with their friends, and they get to hear about Jesus, and then if we take them home and we don't ask them something, I'm like, man, they're ready! Um, I mean, we pray that they are, and we ask God to lead that conversation. Um, but don't be afraid to take that risk. They know who you are. I think it's funny when we take them to camp and we're like, I'm afraid to ask them. They paid for a Christian weekend. Like, they know what they're doing. Um, they, they know who you are. you got to ask them. Um, don't be afraid to take that step. <laughs> Also, with our campaigner kids, are we using the car? Uh, if we go and we pick up a kid um, and we have one, a campaigner kid in the car with us, pray with them for the one you're picking up. Or if you're dropping off a campaigner kid, pray with them in the car. Um, we have to show reliance on Christ in that constantly. Um, I asked my freshman, when do we pray? Like, what have you learned about prayer with us? And she said, we pray at Bible study and at campaigners and we pray for our friends who don't know Jesus. And we pray when you drop us off. <laughs> I love that she remembered that because um, I think it's a special moment of, like, this is, you belong to the Lord, and just giving them that moment, too, um, is cool. So, use car rides. Um, also, just don't be afraid to be uncomfortable and take prayerful chances. Um, I was riding home after club one day with some kids, and I actually didn't have anyone to take home, so I jumped in the car with one of my seniors who I told you is way more effective than I am. She met this random girl at homecoming and had been bringing her around to club. It was the first time she came to club. And so after club, I was asking um, the girl Mariah, you know, where, what, 
what did you learn tonight? Have you heard this stuff about Jesus? What What do you know about him? And she kind of did. So I was like, well, where have you gotten your information? And she talked about going to church and stuff. And I said, well, where do you feel like you're at with Jesus? And she got out of the car, and my friend Taryn was like, I asked her those questions in that exact order right before you did. So I was like, wow, you didn't need me. Either I've taught you well or you're a genius. But both. She's both. Um, so it was really encouraging to see that and uh, to see that when we give ministry away, they they can do it, and they are capable. Our friends are. Um, okay, another risk. So I have a good camera, not a great photographer, but I started taking senior pictures for some friends, and some other girls saw it, and at the beginning, um, they were just asking, hey, can you take my pictures? So this girl, I'd never met her before, asked for me to take her senior pictures, and I did, and we walked around downtown Hamilton, and I asked her about her life and learned a lot. She was just this open book, like blah, 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 all about really hard stuff that had happened in her past. And I took her to True West, common theme in this talk, um, and I don't think she left since then, right? She just stayed there. Um, but it was cool because then I hung out with her the next week and, again, just asked more about her life. And she talked about God and who she thought he was. And when I told her what he did and how much he loved her, she was shocked. And it was the coolest thing. I didn't know this girl. Um, and I just got to share the gospel with her the second time we hung out. And uh, that night then, I could tell she was thinking about a lot. And so I was like, should I, you know, does she, I could tell she wanted it. But I was like, God, should I pray with her? Should I just let her go? And I felt like I should wait. And so I just said, just go home, like talk to God, pray, and see what happens. So I was texting her later, and she asked me, how do I pray? What do I do? I said, just talk to him. I said, but if you want to follow God, you should tell him. And she goes, oh, I already did that. And I was like, well, again, don't need me. Um, but it was humbling and also great. You know, there's some kids we love and we hang out for three years and we never get to share the gospel with them. And sometimes you are not the one that plants the seed. You're the one that reaps the harvest. But again, I feel like God is reminding me, I let you be a part of this, um, but it's still me. You know, it is not us. And so also with her, um, that was really unexpected. Um, and I think... We need to always be praying, have our eyes open for those fat kids, the faithful, available, and teachable, because that's what she became, and she changed the way I did ministry. Um, I just had moved into that city, and so she came over to my house every day. She was the one I ended up pouring into, was discipling. She came with me everywhere, did life with, um, and if I had been like, here's my three, and hadn't been praying and asking God to open my vision, I might have missed that. Um, so don't be set. Be looking for those kids. They might not be the ones you expect, um, the ones that really want it. Okay, so this last section, and it's my favorite part. We're getting short here. Okay, is practical discipleship principles. This is, your blanks are growing in their faith and learning how to do ministry happens hand in hand. I think that we think, oh, they got to grow first, and then they can give their life away. But I think it happens at the same time. They give their life away, and then they grow, and they learn about Jesus, and they give their life away. And that happens at the same time, and their faith is growing, and they see how to give their life away. Um, we have to pray with them and teach them how to pray. So on the back of the sheet, flip it over. I have some examples back here of things that you can do with them. Um, Start praying before you meet them. I love those yearbooks that we're praying. Do you guys ever go online and print out the roster of, you know, bowling team? Nobody looks at them. Pray for those kids' names. And then when you meet them, I'm just kidding. I pray for the bowling team. Um, and when you meet them, you're like, oh, I've been praying for your name for a couple months. Um, so do that. I'm sorry, bowlers. I'm 
that's where life change happens, and we get to be part of this ministry, and we see it as such a gift. Um, last night, we at, in our placement for our area, we had seven girls leave our high school and go out, and that is from four or five years of praying and walking with them and getting to see um, that be such a gift, and it was it's such an encouragement to watch them go out. Um, and seeing how multiplication is so much more effective than just us doing it with everyone. Um, one thing I do with kids that I think is really fun um, is I read the Bible out loud to them sometimes before we go to bed. I don't know if anybody has the storybook Bible, but I love that one. Um, it connects Jesus with every story in the Bible. Um, but also just reading the Bible with them. I never really thought about it, but my co-leader was like, I think it's really awesome that you do that with them. And it's just kind of like a peaceful um, thing. You know, I get to see that Jesus is personal and real and like a little little bedtime story. I think it calms their hearts and helps see that Jesus can give us peace. Um, another thing that I've had kids do is when they have trouble believing truth about what God says, who they are. Um, I have one friend who can tell everybody else how much God loves them. God loves you. God loves you, but has really a hard time believing it for herself. So every time we'd hang out and we would leave, I would say, tell me three things God says about you. And sometimes it would take 10 minutes. And it's like she, she knows it, but it's like saying it out loud. Get them to say those truths about who God says they are. Um, also, when we are teaching them how to pray, uh, we need to sh- talk about it. Um, really Realizing that Jesus is in control, that we trust him. Um, and then when we pray, we get to see how he's moving and how he's acting. So when we take kids along with us, that back of that paper kind of says, watch me do it, do it with me, and then do it on their own. So just like with contact work, we're teaching them how to be leaders, how to be missionaries. Doing that with prayer, too. Doing it with them, um, and then teach, teach them how to do it on their own. This is another paper, if you guys want to pick it up again. Um, it was in a prayer mosaic that I did one time, and I think it's really awesome. So sometimes you're teaching kids how to pray, and you teach them the acts thing, which I think is great. But this is kind of another more extended version of that, and it has scripture to go with each passage. So it talks about worshiping God. Uh, being still, confessing your sins, and one thing in there it says, agree uh, with God about your sins, acknowledge them, um, and allow God to soften your heart. So, and then it goes down, submit to God, believe that God will hear, do battle, listen, ask God, persist, and act. So, I just think those are specific practical things if you have a more mature disciple and you're like, here, you can go through these things, and for me, it's been awesome for my prayer life, too, just to go through those steps. Um, Okay, when we have friendships like this, and we see how God's moving and how the walls are breaking down, um, we learn how to be vulnerable, like I said. Um, They become our real friends. I feel like that's been the thing that I've learned the most is um, when we've lived life on life with them, when we're making disciples, they should be your closest friends um, because you're doing life together. So the last thing is, as we talked about with Peter and this guy and the healing, Pray for vision, for things. What does God want for your kids? So as you guys leave today and you're taking home something that you can learn, write down kids and write down vision you have for them. One thing my co-leader did was before we went to camp, she wrote down everyone in her cabin and wrote down, in 10 years, where do I want them to be? Um, So more than just even this week or tomorrow, but what do you want for them? And then pray for that and pray for that with them. Um, I think that we get to see God's long-term vision when we do that. Like Peter said, no one thought this guy was ever going to walk. And then people saw him and they were in wonder and amazement. So which of those kids are the ones that nobody thinks anything can be of? 
um, and you pray vision into them and instill that and change their life. Our kids, our friends, are so much more capable than what we think they are. Um, we are in the business of raising others up, and Jesus does that. We get to grab their hand in the name of Jesus and walk with them. Um, so I hope that we get to rejoice in that together. And uh, pretty awesome. So. Um, okay, if you guys want, like I said, these are at, in the front here. The powerful prayer, love of discipleship, and the foundational truth. You want to grab one when you leave? I'm going to pray. Yes. The last blank. Oh, sorry. Pray a vision over them and ask God what his vision is for them. Pray a vision over them and ask God what his vision is for them. Alright, uh, Jesus, I thank you that we get to be part of raising others up. Lord, I thank you for your truth and your spirit. I pray that that will reign in us all weekend. I pray that when we go home, we'll sacrifice for our friends. We will love them. We will tell them the gifts we see in them. Um, and ask you to do a great and mighty work. Um, thank you for who you are and uh, for your cross, God. We give um, all this to you. In your name we pray. Amen.